Well, good evening. How are you all doing tonight? I sure did enjoy having the opportunity to be able to play some games with you tonight. And that, that carpet ball tournament was pretty cool. I wish we had one of those in our youth group. It's, that's a fun game to play. I played that up at ice camp. Uh, some of you guys, most of you probably don't know who I am. So I just want to start tonight by sharing just a little bit about myself so we can break the ice a little bit. And so when I get into teaching the word that you know a little bit about who I am. Uh, again, my name is Tim Franks. I'm the associate pastor at Eureka Bible Church. Um, I have been serving here for about two years, but I, I want to say first and foremost, what you need to know about me is that I love Jesus. Jesus is my Savior, and I follow him, and um, I desire for you to know that I love Jesus above all things. And so I am a follower of Jesus, and that is the first thing that you need to know about me. Also, can you put that picture back up of my family real quick? I wanted to share with you a little bit about my family. So this is my family up here. That's my wife, Alicia, in the le on the left there. Um, we've been married for um, close to nine years, eight, about eight and a half years now. We were married in November 2010. Um, and then the three kids there, you see Michael that's on the right there. He is 10. Um, we actually live in Washington, so he goes to Washington Central. Uh, he's in fourth grade. Um, Marlena is our little redhead fireball right there in front of Alicia. Uh, she's a she's on the move all the time, crazy. She's four years old, and she goes to Head Start in uh, East Peoria. And then Macy, uh, the one that I'm holding there, is she's about a year and a half old. Um, she is on the move right now. We're having to chase her around everywhere, but it's it's been an adventure um, with these kids. I love them very much dearly, and my wife. And so that that is my family. Um, they are at home tonight. Um, it's spring break, so I'll pray for my wife. She has to take care of because the two older ones will be at home. Uh, for the for this uh, week. So that's my family. Um, so my calling and my passion is to work with students. I have felt called to do this for a, a really long time, but I'll share with you that wasn't always. So interesting enough, um, you probably saw me watching the college basketball. I love sports a lot. And I actually felt, I all the way through college, I thought I was going to be a sports broadcaster. I thought I was going to be, a, I love baseball and I specifically want to do baseball radio. I love sports, and I love watching them and playing them, and, and I, I actually thought I was going to do that, but God called me to ministry, and specifically, he called me to work with students. I love students. I love working with them. Um, one of the things that's a passion of mine is to be able to, to live life with students, and so how some of the ways I do that is just by discipling one-on-one, -on -one, but I also spend a lot of time going to events. So you probably have seen me at, at games and other things. You might have seen me around town, because I go to a lot of the Eureka sporting events, um, even some of the ones in Washington and Metamore and other things because we have a few students in our ministry there. So I really love sports, but I was, I, I'm most called to work with students, and I've been doing that for a long time. John was joking with me. We've talked about it before. I've actually served working with students in all four major U.S. time zones, so West and Rocky Mountain and Central and Eastern because I came from North Carolina before here. So I spent a lot of time working with students, and I've seen students in all parts of the country um, so I've been working in student ministry for about a decade or so, almost 10 years, and so I, I love that. Sadly, about sports, all my sports teams are terrible, unfortunately. It's just, it's just a sad thing with all my teams. So most of my teams are in the West Coast, the Giants and 49ers, Lakers, and, um, but the one team that survived today that I, I root for is the Tennessee Volunteers. They won an overtime today, so I was excited about that. Um, but most of my sports teams are not very good right now. And lastly, I want to say I, I love reading. Um, I read a lot. Uh, John's been in my office. He's seen my library. I have lots of books. Um, I read everything from Harry Potter to theology to 
um, different types of books. I love uh, biographies. I, I love reading, and so I spend a lot of time doing that as it gives me an opportunity to continue to learn. And so that's just a little bit about myself. Uh, but I want to say that I, I am very thankful for the opportunity for our youth ministry over there. I mean, we're not that far away from here, right? Eureka Bible Church, we're very close. But we're not only just close geographically. Our youth group and our churches are together. Uh, we use the word like-minded in the fact that we, we do things together. We think along the same lines about beliefs from the Bible, about how we do ministry, how we do, how we do church stuff. And so it's important for us to to understand, what I want you to know is that I love Cross Point Church, and I love that we have such a connection. I, I'm looking forward to more ice camps together. I'm looking forward to more opportunities to, to spend with one another, uh, like with the service project this coming Saturday. I, I love that we can do these things together, and I hope that I'll get to know more of you but more and that you can get to know some of our students. You probably know a lot of them because they go to your schools and stuff, but I want us to be able to continue to do that partnership. And so before I dig into the Word, what I'd like to do is, is I want to pray for your youth group and I want to pray for your, for your church, and then we'll really dig into James, okay? So if you bow your heads, I'd really like to pray for your church tonight. Lord, I, I thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight to, to share your Word but Lord, I want to stop for a moment and pray for this church. Lord, I love Cross Point Church. I love the partnership that our church, Eureka Bible, has with Cross Point. Lord, I feel like there's so much blurring the lines between our churches that we're doing so much ministry together. And Lord, whether it's Fight Club or it's our student ministries or it's our uh, Good Friday services or whatever it is we're doing together, Lord, I pray that we'll continue to glorify you and uh, further the kingdom of God because of our partnership together. Lord, I pray for Pastor Dave and Pastor John and Eric and the others that lead this church. Lord, I pray that you will continue uh, to help them to lead this church well. And Lord, I specifically pray for John that he will, along with his adult leaders, lead this, church, this, this ministry, this hype ministry well. And Lord, that they'll continue to teach your word and they will continue to disciple. And Lord, that many people will come to know Christ, be baptized, that many will will know you more, will love you more, will be more obedient to you because of the things that are happening in this ministry. And Lord, as we continue tonight, I pray that you will help us to think upon your word and the things that you've already been talking about in this series through the, the John and the others that have been speaking. And Lord, continue on as we look at this, this passage from James chapter 5. I pray all these things in your great and gracious name. Amen. How many of you have had an opportunity to be in a place where you could retaliate against somebody that's done something to you, and you know that you're in that moment, you're thinking about it, you know it. How many, have, have you been there before where you just really know that you have that opportunity to retaliate? They've, either they physically have hurt you or emotionally or said something to you that you can really retaliate. Now, I'll be honest with you, when I was younger, I was a little timid, and I was, I, you can tell, I mean, I, I was short and small. I was very small. Like, I, I wrestled a little bit in middle school, and I was at the lowest of low weight classes. And so I was a really small guy. And so a lot of times, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't fight back. A lot of times, I just let people say things and do things. Well, there was one time where there was this bully in our neighborhood that I, I just had enough. I was done. Now, I'm not advocating for what I did that night, but I'm saying... I, I, I was in this moment of an opportunity to retaliate. And he, this, this guy was going around and kicking guys where guys shouldn't be kicked. And it was, it was getting on my nerves, and it was also getting on the nerves of a lot of other people. And, and eventually, he came over, and he wanted to try it on me. And at the exact moment that he, he, he went to do it, I hit him in the nose. 
broke his nose. His nose was turned this way. And it was a, it was a bad, it, was, it wasn't a moment I'm very proud of because I probably should have just let it go, but that, I had enough of that, and I was done with that. And I was, I was, re- I was in the moment of ret- retaliation, didn't even really think about it, I just did it. And his mom came to the door because di- she didn't know what happened, and when I explained what happened, then the mom just turned around and was like, oh, he deserved it, I'm, I'm out of here, you know. But I, 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 it's honestly, in that moment, I, I, I should have just had done something differently, but I, I knew that it needed to be done. Something needed to change there. And so I retaliated. And so tonight what you see in this passage in James, in James chapter 5, in the first, you, you've already talked about chapters 4, 13 through 17 and chapter 5, 1 through 6 last week. And you talked about the idea of how the rich are oppressing the poor in the story. And you see what's happening there that we talked, you talked last week about the fact, the warning of what riches can do to us. And the idea of not even just with our money, but our time and our stuff, we, we do this, right? This is what God calls us to do is have open hands and mind and hearts to our, to our stuff. And so what, you, what you're seeing in those first six verses of James chapter 5 is the rich are just oppressing and pushing down and continually not allowing the poor to be able to, to rise up or to, to get the things that they need. And so chapter 5 verse 7 shifts to what is the poor? What are they supposed to do? How are they supposed to respond? Because they're suffering. They're, they're dealing with suffering here. So what are we supposed to do? And so I, I could say from this passage, I would say that, that it's even speaking to us in the sense of when we're dealing with suffering, how do we respond? If people, specifically people, are hurting us and they're pushing us down and they're not allowing us to get up and not allowing us to live life like we should, how do we respond as Christians? And so let's look at these passages. If you have a Bible, you can look on or you can just listen on. I'm going to read. This is chapter 5, verses 7 through 11 of James. It says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of the suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. And so I want to remind you of the context again of what we have been talking about here in chapter 5, verse 1 through 6. It's talking about the warning to the rich and the way that they're treating others and how they are pushing the others down and they're also just allowing the riches to control their lives to where they can't live godly lives. They are using their riches poorly and they're, they're, they're treating the poor in a very bad way. And so I think, though, we can think about this more than just with riches when we talk about patience because that's, that's the word, right? Is that the word you just saw there? It says it multiple times. And what, is, what does it mean when the Bible says the word multiple times? We need to take, we need to listen, right? It means something, it's important. It's something we need to take heed of. And so what does it say? Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. And so this is what he's telling us. For the specific context of what this passage is saying, he's telling the poor people to be patient. And Why? Therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord, because there's something in the future to look forward to. But he's also reminding us tonight that sometimes in life, it's going to be hard to be patient, right? 
There's going to be times in our lives where the suffering feels so bad that even words don't matter. Like even reading some of the promises of God, you're like, ah, oh, it just, I don't feel this. I don't know. What am I supposed to do? There's one specific promise that he's giving here that we can look to, and that is the return of the Lord. Now, that's something we don't talk about in the church a whole lot, right? We don't talk, I don't talk with my students that much about the idea that Jesus is going to come back. But Jesus was here once before, and he is going to come back again. The scriptures are very clear. If you read in Revelation, you read in Matthew 24, if you read in different places of scripture, you see Jesus is going to come back. And so that's something that we can look forward to. We can be patient. So I want you to think in your mind tonight. Maybe, you're, maybe, you're, maybe your life's good right now. Maybe it's fine. Maybe things are going right at home. Maybe, maybe your, your spiritual life is on high right now. But I want you to even, even if you are in that place right now, think about a time when it wasn't. Think about something, a time in your life where there was some suffering. Maybe things weren't going as well at home. Maybe you were dry in your spiritual life. Maybe you are having struggles at school or you're being bullied or things are happening. I want you to think about times in your life when that happened. How did you feel? What did it make you think about? What, what was going through your mind and your heart when you're, when you're in those times of suffering? Because it, it, it sometimes it, it really pushes us down and it's hard and it's difficult. But what James is telling us tonight is we need to, in these times, be patient, wait. Wait on the Lord because he's going to help us. He's going to be there with us. And in fact, the Greek word that's used here with the idea of patience is the idea of waiting patiently for the return of Christ. You see this word used several times when, in thinking about Jesus returning. And so what are we waiting for? We're waiting for the kingdom of God to come. We're waiting for Jesus to come and return again. And it's, when Jesus comes back, it's going to make all things new and it's going to make all things good again. So that's what we need to look forward to. So when you're suffering, when you're struggling, be patient. Slow down. Remember the promises of God. Remember that he is going to return. That is something that we can look forward to. And now he gives us an example. If you look at your Bibles or remember what he said there in verse 8. He says, you also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And then, oh, go back. We're going to go back to verse uh, 7 again. He says there, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. We live in farmland, right? So both of our churches are surrounded by farmland. And farmers, what do they need in order for their crops to do well? What do they need? We need rain, right? They need to have rain. And so um, in this culture, this agriculture, agriculture that you see out here, even, but even in, in the Middle East, they had lots of agriculture and farming and doing those things, and so they needed rain. And so what is, what is James' example trying to tell us here? Just as the farmer is waiting for the rain, see how the farmer rates, wait, waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. The farmer is waiting. He has to. He can't do it, right? He can't control it. He can't control what's happening in the weather, he just has to wait patiently and see. Sometimes he's going to have a really good crop. Sometimes he's not going to have a really good crop. And so it's waiting patiently, waiting for something that he can't control. Tony Marita says, trusting God with what you cannot control and honoring God with what you can control. That, that is what this patience that he's talking about here. Again, I'll say it again. Trusting God with what you cannot control 
in honoring God with what you can control. That is what the Christian life is, is about. It is when we are living this life, we have to learn to be patient. There's going to be good times. There's going to be bad times. There's going to be times where it hurts so bad, and we don't have, no words can be said to us, and even sometimes reading some of the promises of God fall hollow on our ears. But we understand that God is calling us to trust him with what we cannot control. There's lots of things in this life we cannot control. But there are things we can control, right? You know that. There's things in this life that we can do. We can pray. We can read scripture. We can go to church regularly. We can be discipled by somebody older than us. We can work with our Christian brothers and sisters. There's a lot of things we can honor God with. Uh, later in life when you get jobs and marriage and other things, those are things that we can, we can honor God by the way we can control those things. But there's a lot of things that are going to come in life that you can't control. And you have to be willing to trust God, be patient, and wait on him. And that just like the farmer does. And so he says here, establish your hearts. And that is something that I, I, I don't know why, but I just really in my mind, I think the idea of something that's unmovable is just staking that in the ground and, and just un, an unshakable promise that God is giving us to endure through this suffering. So I don't know tonight what you're going through. I don't know what's going on in your life. But I can say that I know that you need to wait it out. Be patient. Allow the Lord to bring you through this, these situations that are going on in your life. Just like the farmer is waiting for things he can't control, wait on the Lord. He has a plan for your life. He has a plan to get you through this time. And even if he doesn't in your timing or in this life, God has something promised for you in the future and the fact that you're going to go to heaven, and he's also going to return. And when he returns, there's going to be new heavens and new earth. So we have something to look forward to. And then he uses an example of something very personal in verse 9. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. What is it, what's easy to do when we're suffering? You know what's easy to do? It's easy to kind of start grumbling and complaining and treating others poorly. It's just very easy to go like, well, I, I'm, I'm going through this. I don't, I don't want to talk to anybody else. I don't want to help anybody. I, I'm, I'm hurting myself, so I'm just going to go. I'm going to grumble. I'm going to complain, and I'm going to just have a pity party over here because I'm suffering. It's very easy to allow our emotions to control us and for us to um, get ourselves in a lot of trouble. And it says there, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Because Again, here's that reminder. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. It's that we use this word. It's a big word. It's called the imminent return. We, we are thinking about the fact that Jesus could come at any time. We don't know when it is, and we're not even going to try to figure that out. But we know that we need to be prepared because we don't know when it's going to be. And how are we prepared? It's by what it tells us here even. Be patient. Even when we're suffering, be patient. Think through that. And so that's, that's an important part here. And then the last example he gives is, as an example of suffering and patience, brother, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And which, so again, what were the prophets doing? The prophets were going on behalf of God and speaking to the people of Israel, specifically in the Old Testament. He was talking to them. And what was he saying to the, the people of Israel a lot? You're, you guys are being dumb. Stop doing these things. You know, your judgment's coming. A lot of times it was not nice things they're saying. How tough of a job was that? How patient and how much did they have to endure that the Israelites continue to reject them 
and push them away. It was a very tough job being a prophet. And also think about Job. Behold, we consider those who bless, who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. Think about the 42 chapters of Job and the things that he went through. His friends kept abandoning him and telling him it's all your fault and doing these things. And a lot of what was happening in Job, he could not control. And his friends were telling him, it's, oh, it's because you're sinning. Oh, it's because you didn't do this. Oh, it's because you did this. And so Job is a great example of somebody that was steadfast and, and was faithful to God despite his major suffering. I mean, he lost family members. He had boils. He had everything going on. But he was still faithful to God. And so what a strong example. And yet it says there at the end, you have the steadfastness of Job and you have seen the purpose of the Lord. Here's the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. And so if you're going through struggles tonight, if it's difficult, I don't know where you're at in your life. I don't know where you're at with your walk with God. But I will tell you something. The purpose of the Lord is that he is compassionate and merciful. And we can, we can stand on that. There's other things in our life that we can't control, that we can't put our stock in. But we can put our stock in the fact that God, that the God we serve is compassionate and merciful. And I've seen it in my own life. Now, one of the things I love about this student ministry that, that, I, that is a big thing for me with mine is I love studying through books of the Bible. And so we did, you were doing James, and we just finished Philippians. And Philippians, the whole book has a lot to do with what we talked about in this passage tonight. Philippians, one of its major theme is the idea of joy and suffering. And so in, in Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, he talks about the fact that his suffering led to the advancement of the gospel. He's sitting in a prison cell and saying, you know what, I'm glad I'm here because the gospel's going forward. That is the type of attitude that we should have as Christians. That's, it's not even just the fact that we're patient during suffering, but we have joy in it. We take joy in that suffering. You think about chapter 1, verse 21 of Philippians, where he says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. That, that is just, I wish I could unpack that tonight. That's powerful verses of the importance of understanding our life, that we are going to suffer and we may even die for our faith, but it doesn't matter because we are, we are about Jesus and his kingdom. And if we have to suffer for that, we, that's what we need to do. And then lastly, in chapter 4, verse 4 of Philippians, he says, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. And that's in the context of the idea of, of suffering and, and difficulty in life that we are able to say, I'm joyful. I am happy. And it's not, it's not even really the idea of happiness. It's the willingness to put our whole reliance and trust and fullness in who God is. And so not only do we think about tonight the idea of patience in suffering, we think about the idea of that Philippians continues with, with Paul, that we have joy in suffering. And so I want to close by sharing from my personal life. Now, I, I shared with you about our kids, but I didn't give you the full story because I want to share it now. Those three kids, you might have looked at them and looked like they don't look like the parents, and that's true, they're not. They're not my biological children. Michael and Marlena and Macy are our foster kids. Um, they've been living with us for 14 months or so, and we're hoping within the next few months that we'll be able to adopt them. But I'll, let me tell you something, it's been hard. It's been real hard. It's been, there have been lots of moments of suffering for my wife and I. It's been um, these kids have been through a whole lot in their lives, things that you couldn't even imagine. 
And it's been, there have been a lot of hard moments. I told you about our little fireball, Marlena, who's four years old. She has so many different types of issues. And it's, it drags us down. Sometimes I feel like I'm failing as a pastor because I can't always give as much time to the ministry as I'd, I'd like to because I'm at meetings and taking them to see their biological parents and doing things. And so it, it's been a very hard season of life. And I'm, I'm not even comparing myself to some of the suffering that, that James might be writing about here, but I will say that it has been a hard season of life for me. But what I can say is that I have, had to put, I have to put my reliance and trust in Christ through all of my life, and that's what I'm trying to do. And I am trying with all of that I am, and my wife is too. I, I'm telling you, if I didn't have my rock star wife, I would not be able to handle this parenting thing because she is so good with kids, and she's dealt with these things and, and pressed on, and she has so, shown me the importance of relying on God and not even just relying on Him, joy and suffering and, and patience, just that patience in this season of our life. And so I want you to be able to, to, be able to come out of tonight thinking whether it's now or whether it's sometime later, that we don't take this statement. You know, there's this statement that I hear all the time that says, uh, let go and let God. I, I, don't, I don't like that statement. I prefer the statement of, of Tony Marita that I met, mentioned earlier, that we are to be trusting God with what you cannot control and honoring God with what you can control. It's not just letting go and let God. It's that, that this passage is telling us that we are a part of this process that God is using us and direct, pulling us through this and walking through this with us. And that we are to trust him with what we cannot control, which is a lot of things that happen to us, but also honoring God with what we can control. And so tonight, I want you to leave here understanding that no matter where you are in your life or walk with God, that we can trust in the compassionate and merciful God that we serve. And I pray that you will be able to, when you hit those rock bottom, difficult, suffering times of life, that you'll be ready to stake yourself with that compassionate and merciful God. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you so much for tonight an opportunity to share your word. Lord, I pray that you will take the things that I have said that are honoring to you and impress them on the hearts of those that are in the room. And Lord, if there's anything that I have said tonight that is hindering, Lord, I pray that you will help that to, to be lost to the minds of the people in the room. Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity to gather together with this body of believers. Be with this group and uh, allow your word to continue to do great work. We pray all this in your great and gracious name. Amen.